0: Time for the morning panel, joined today by political consultant uh, Nathan Currancy, London Police Board Chair Ali Chabar. Thanks to you both for coming in today.
1: Nice to be here, Devin. Thanks
0: for having us in. Now, when I made the request to see if you guys can come in, I didn't know we'd be talking about bail reform, but sometimes, so as my, uh, my, my grandfather used to say, sometimes you fall into it backwards. <laughs> and uh, we do have the uh, chair of the police board here. Uh, uh, to talk about bail for reform, so let's start with Nathan. No, <laughs> uh,
1: so, as instructed,
0: yeah. As, so, the federal government did uh, uh, unveil their their proposed uh, bail reforms uh, uh, this week. Uh, just to start at the beginning, uh, do we like what the federal government has proposed?
2: Uh, yeah, I'll start. Um, yes, long overdue. Like incredibly long overdue. Uh, There's been a concerted effort amongst, uh, um, you know, uh, there was a joint letter that was signed in January uh, 2023 by every premier in Canada, uh, every province, every territory uh, petitioning the, the prime minister and the federal government to do something about this. The Ontario Chiefs of Police uh, um, uh, signed a joint letter as well. Uh, You've had lobbying coming in from different police services, associations, police boards. We even sent one in February. Uh, I I co-signed a letter with uh, uh, former Chief Steve Williams and myself, sent a letter to the Prime Minister uh, advocating for this exact reform. And so uh, it's been ongoing, consistent and continued for the past number of uh, months and years trying to get the government to listen, uh, to say we need comprehensive um, uh, reform when it comes to it. So, uh, yeah, long story short is yes. Welcome. Happy that it's finally, finally happening, but, uh, uh, still lamenting the fact that it's took until May of 2023 for this to even be introduced.
0: The reforms. Do you, do you like what they've proposed here?
2: Y- yeah. Uh, so uh, it's a couple targeted things, right? So the re- a reverse onus uh, test is something that's, uh, been, um, uh, advocated for. So if you're a, uh, if you, uh, are a, Accused or uh, or charged with using a gun uh, or creating um, you know a a violent prolific act towards uh, somebody using weapons, then there's a reverse onus. So when you go to court, right, the onus is right now uh, they have to prove why they keep you in custody. Right, Uh, that's generally the basic principle. With this new proposed legislation, if it passes, uh, if you're charged with using a weapon, uh, then it's a reverse onus. You basically have to prove. Why you should be released, right? And that's that's a major that's a major component to that, and I think that's a good thing.
1: Nathan, you don't have to just to your point, just to build on that. You yeah. don't have to prove that you're innocent. No, I, mean, I think that's some people are misconstruing that. You just have to prove why they shouldn't hold on to you at that point. Precisely. Right. Precisely. Yeah. So um, I, I agree with you, Ali. I think that this is long overdue. There's been a lot of police services associations, uh, boards, a lot of activists in this. One thing I've learned about policing is they love their acronyms, obviously. So oh, you, can get, you can get you get lost <laughs> in the acronyms of these organizations and and associations that have been advocating for this. But, uh, you know, I've said before, you can't get, you know, 80% of Canadians to agree that the sun's going to rise in the east in the morning, but you can get 80% of Canadians to understand that we need bail reform. And ultimately what we're talking about is what we know is that there's a crime uptick really across Canada, but especially in major urban centers. And one of the factors in that is repeat offenders, which is actually a massive factor in that. Ali, you'd know that better than a lot of people. Um, so what are we doing not just in terms of you know, keeping people safer by uh, trying to keep, them, keep criminals uh, behind bars or alleged criminals behind bars? What are we doing to keep policing costs down by doing that? What are we doing to really just affect our society in such a, a positive way by ensuring that these – People who are alleged to commit crime. and again, we're not talking about people that you know stole an O'Henry at Max Milk. We're talking about people, gun crimes, domestic abuse, you know, beating up their wife or their girlfriend, threatening with uh, firearms. Like these are major offenses, and um, quite frankly, they they shouldn't be out on bail. I guess the last thing I'll say uh, on this note is just. I'm hopeful we're going to have to see how this manifests because a reverse onus, yes, it is good. Yes, they need to demonstrate. Hey, why shouldn't we keep you? You know, you mm-hmm. need to tell us. But it still could manifest the same way. I mean, the guy who killed the 22-year-old OPP officer, Greg Pershala, he mm-hmm. would have been out on bail still with these uh, with this reverse onus because all of the uh, checks would have been met at that point. Yeah. Um, so again, you're not going to look at one specific instance and say we're going to be able to prevent that forever, but I'm also, I don't want to say this is everything automatically. We definitely have to see how right. it plays out in the courts. Right.
0: Well, I mean, there's one, this is only one piece of the whole, kind of, this is one piece of the puzzle, right? We're not going to solve violent crime with just bail reform. It's a larger conversation. One thing I also wonder though is like EMDC right now is full and uh, we just had a class action lawsuit that wrapped up where you've had people, you know, who a guy stole, and many, many years ago, a guy stole a a CD or something was, you know, ended up being killed by someone, by so much more violent. And if we're going to have more people um, who are being held without bail, which I'm not against, but we have a jail system here that I don't know if it's up to the, like there's, 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 you know, steps two and three that need to follow this, I think.
2: Yeah. This is one facet of a much larger problem, uh, much larger issue. So uh, to, to Nathan's point, this reform if and when it's passed, will not eliminate the possibility uh, of these, or eliminate the uh, uh, the prospect of this happening. Right? No one. There's no piece of legislation that be passed by any government that's going to eliminate, um, you know, these things from happening. But it's a step to mitigate, uh, right? And it's one step. Uh, you're right. You look at our jail system, right? It's packed. We have. Uh, we have uh, accused people, people coming before judges and justices of the peace who may be inclined to keep them in custody, but they look – and there's no space, right? And so what do they do? They release and There's this vicious cycle and police officers pick up these folks, right? And it's like, well, they, they arrest somebody and they know that they're going to go to – before the court in 24 hours and then they're going to be released and it's just, just perpetuates this cycle over and over again. So, yes, this proposed legislation is important. Uh, it's an important step to addressing the issue, but – Nobody should be under the illusion that this is kind of a be all, fix all, because it's just, it's, it's kind of a micro uh, a micro uh, component to a macro problem, right? So yeah.
1: I'll give you a last word on that. Yeah, I, I think it's a great point. I think that, um, you know, anytime you get a currency and a shabar in a room, we could talk about uh, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms <laughs> yeah. or any of this. All rather, that, wrong, but, than, rather than the leafs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 but one thing I do want to bring up that I think is fascinating and I hope we discuss further is the prospect of legislation. Uh, being passed in federal parliament um, that may be against what the Supreme, the current makeup of the Supreme Court would rule in favor of or support, mm. but um, you know've we've we 've talked about the notwithstanding clause in the past, and the question now is to what extent are the people of really Canada in this uh, context going to be accepting of certain rules and you know in other words, if we were to bring back mandatory minimum sentences for firearms crimes or uh, domestic abuse and things like that, it may very well gets struck down in the courts again. Are we going to be passing that legislation <laughs> if it were to happen in the next you know two, three, four, five years? Um, in anticipation of the Supreme Court doing it? Are we going to write it in such a way that they yeah. wouldn't do it or are we going to just stick the notwithstanding clause with that and say, guess what? Sorry, we're parliament. We're supreme uh, over the courts and that's going what to What are the chances
2: that our current government would do that? Like, Certainly
1: not our current government. Yeah, right. yeah. I <laughs> it's mean, not going to happen in 2023 yeah, I don't yeah. think. So. I mean uh, – I, mean, th- th- I guess that's my point. Is this is this These are real conversations that are going to happen if something does not change because – you know, we, we just look on the streets uh, here. I mean it's
2: – I will say I agree with you. Uh, the groundswell of public opinion on this issue, almost to end where you started, which was uh, uh, it, like astronomical numbers in yeah. support of uh, bail reform, right? And I think that's a byproduct of people living that reality. It's, there's a perception and there's a reality out there. When we see prolific violent crimes taking place, we've had 10 police officers killed in Canada since September – um, right, There's uh, a
0: funeral today. There's or- a funeral today,
2: literally today. Uh, in Edmonton, uh, uh, there was two officers, a 35 and 30-year-old 30 that were shot just responding in Ottawa, uh, the, the one just outside Ottawa today. In London back on March 13th mm-hmm. uh, we had two of our own officers that were uh, attending to a call like on Kipps Lane who were shot and, and uh, seriously uh, injured and had to be rushed to hospital right I think people are seeing this it's not just an abstract thing anymore we're seeing it on a day-to-day basis and, and I think that's the that's where that groundswell uh, of support is coming to say hey something has to happen and and uh, you know uh, it, and that, it really is
1: that groundswell of support is coming from the belief of people that bail reform or items like it are going to fix the Core problem. Right. And if and when they don't, if they're insufficient no, in a- accomplishing that task, then it's going to be what next? Right. That's really the
0: point. Yep. We continue on with the Thursday morning panel. I forgot what day it was. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> you already checked out for the long That's weekend, right. eh?
0: Uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. they said, Devin, you can take an extra day. I'd be out of, yeah. you guys can yeah. finish yeah. the we'll, show. We'll the take, the take it from here, yeah. Dev. We'll take it from <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. We can find a way. Yeah. <laughs> it's the uh, Thursday morning panel, uh, joined this morning by Nathan Currency and Ali Chabar. I want to shift our focus from uh, bail reform over to housing software. There's this... Uh, social housing software that's been around since 2014. Um, It was meant to replace Excel sheets and Word documents to help manage social housing. It was us, uh, Hamilton, Waterloo, York, uh, Windsor, Chatham-Kent, Halton, Ottawa, all involved in this. Collectively, we've all spent $2.6 million. London itself has... Spent $362,000 over nine years. We've seen uh, squat because it's, uh it hasn't worked. And now there's uh, council voted earlier this week, not as full council as a committee, uh, to receive a report on what to do next. Uh, should we just cut our losses on this thing if it's been nine years? I forgo- it's been so long I, I forgot know. about
1: it. I know. Well, I think that uh, absolutely, just to answer your core point, if this is happening, and it is, uh, by the way, word to the people that are driving to work right now, if you ever want to go on the radio, all you have to do is for the low, low price of watching 60 hours of committee and council a week, <laughs> and you can understand what's going on with all this stuff. But I watched CAP's committee this week and they talked to, or council, and they talked about it. Um, yes, we should cut our losses, but the point is we're already on the hook for some of the, the cash out the door anyways. So we have the time for staff to come back with a report that can say, okay, here's What the heck just happened and here's where we are with this situation. It's a lot of money we've spent on something that has not been used and frankly, it's not even like a fundamental piece of software. We've been around – how do you say workarounds? Is it a workaround for you using Excel sheets and other stuff like that? I mean uh, the fundamental point is we're going to be able to look at this, the contract. And see what's going on. But there's going to have to be some accountability and that's going to be not just at City Council, inside City Hall and see what's going on. But I really think it's an effort to triage the situation because I really don't think they even know until the story broke um, in the media what the heck was going on. And that's never – And that's not anybody's ideal situation when the story breaks in the media and you don't even know what's going on.
0: Not only did I forget, it seemed like staff forgot about it because there weren't any updates on this for years. Yeah, 2014, wasn't it? it, That was was when it started. When it started.
1: And then it's like like, for five years, there was
2: like nothing. Yeah, I'm saying it was out of sight, out of mind. And then (laughs) to Nathan's point, media reports like, oh, hey, let's dust off these papers, figure out what's going on. Uh yeah I was actually interested in some of the comments that were made by some of the city councillors right Sean Lewis was basically saying scrap it we're done uh, uh and then you had others that said well uh, I think it was um uh, not Cuddy. it was uh, uh Steve Layman and uh Susan Stevenson who were saying uh listen well you know let's let's wait for some more information we've waited this long it's not going to cost us any more money to get a little more information so maybe we scrap it but let's just find out right and so I I don't know I, I don't know where I am on on this one I I, I I think I tend to agree with uh, uh, Lehman and Stevenson in the sense that if it's not going to cost us anything, let's just get the information and then make a final fully informed decision. But I truly understand where Lewis and everybody else is coming. We're saying like how the heck longer is this going to take, right? And uh, uh, it's just too – like how much more time, effort and resources are we going to expend on, on a lost initiative, lost right. project?
0: I'm not one to say, you know, not wait for the report, especially if the money being spent. But I don't know what could possibly be in this report that says, oh, OK, hey, let's go yeah. after nine years with nothing. Yeah,
1: well, I- my uh, crux with all of these things, whether I'm. First thing you do is put everything on a timeline, is what happened and when did it happen? And frankly, I don't think that they know right now. And I'm not trying to sewer anybody at this point. I'm happy to sewer somebody when it's, <laughs> when it's, when it's appropriate. But the point is there's people that at least you know on paper are overseeing this initiative and others. It's on their desk or it's under their purview. Yeah. Um, What's the timeline? When were the payments made? What was expected at what time? You know, were there dates in – 2023, we're talking about 2014 or 2015 here. Were there dates in 2017? They were supposed to come back with some sort of, you know, progress report where it's like, you know, it's 27% complete and, you know, they didn't do that but we still paid them, for example. Like there's got to be a bit of, you know – What we'll be able to do—it's not just about cutting our losses here. It's about learning the and and making sure this type of screw up doesn't happen again. Municipalities, for very good reasons, engage uh, consultants, quote unquote, like this all the time for the purpose of you know doing things that the people inside the walls uh, don't have. I mean, that's you know development. You talk about anything that that makes sense. So if they're coming up with the software this way, I mean, I would hope. Frankly, that this is the only one where something like this has happened. Maybe we undercover or, or uncover some uh, processes here where yeah. it's like, oh, shoot, we got to make sure this is, you know, so this is, well, I thought it was on Billy's desk and Billy thought it was on Sally's desk. Well, that didn't work. It, it was, was on anything. Nathan's <laughs> desk. It was on Nathan's desk. <laughs> exactly. That's what Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: So,
2: no, but, you know, but it's, it's kind of like a plague on, to paraphrase uh, Shakespeare, a plague on all their houses because it's not just a London thing, right? I mean, how many mun- municipalities were involved in this? Uh, um, nine, nine, 10, nine, ten right? right? And I think London's share was, what, 200? Three hundred thousand dollars.
0: Three hundred sixty-two through nine years. Right, so Right.
2: Right. And so we're we're having the same conversation in London that I think some of the other municipalities. And I think it was Hamilton basically said we're out. Was it Hamilton or Kitchener? I can't remember. But uh, one of the municipalities said we're out. It just the, the, the I think even if we compartmentalize this discussion for a second and just remove this specific component of it, uh, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me. Which is, is this indicative of? Okay, so it happened here. Is there anywhere else that this is uh, happening? And I'm not suggesting that there is. I'm just saying, well, now it's given rise to us to think, okay, well, how can something that was started in 2014, it's now 2023 – has gone literally untouched right. for years. Like, are there any other things out there that well, – uh,
0: That's kind of my I'll, – I'll, I'll, we're out of time. But, I mean, we've had the, how many budget discussions where they're always looking for efficiencies yeah. and we're cutting this and that and this never popped up on anyone's radar ever for nine years? It's interesting. Like, it,
2: I mean, it, it, it warrants somebody taking a look at – like, I know we're looking at the actual issue but also kind of warrants some introspection to find out. How the heck did we get if to that we, point?
1: If we had to pay the bill tomorrow or a new installment of the bill tomorrow and Ali and I were mayor and deputy mayor, it would be like, OK, we're not going to pay the bill. We're still going to conduct the audit. We're going to figure this yeah. out. The good news is that we're not on the hook for any sort of immediate – payment of any kind of next step in the bill. So we have the time, keep them engaged so that they're ultimately accountable for what they do. I mean, I feel like at this point, if we just kind of slice them off and say, no, you're done, it almost like, oh, they would breathe a sigh of relief. Okay, fine. We're out and you guys can't hold us accountable. Okay. No, we don't owe you a payment. We're going to get our staff to go back, take a look at what happened, put everything on a timeline. They're going to report back to council and tell us, okay, here's what happened. Here's, um, you know, and I don't know, does that, that might have to happen in camera. I'm not sure, but you know, we'll have to see, and hopefully, some lessons will be learned, and more money will be wasted.
2: My only question is, if in a world where you and I are mayor and deputy mayor, what's Devin? Because he's part oh, of this man. administration.
0: I'm he's the, po- the political I- insider. I'm at the that power that behind the throne, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are my puppets. <laughs> right. Big, big money, Devin. That's here, right, right. there, yeah. We're rolling deep.